0: Log Talk Radio Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil good morning everybody and welcome to today's show today is the 17th of january it was raining all night i think it's the last day we're gonna have rain i think for the rest of the month (laughs) however it made up for it last night although we didn't get it as bad as the other area but it continues to be below 50 in the morning some places below 40 that's huge and it's very very cool Also, kind of following Eliana. If you guys know Eliana, um, she's moving. She moved from coast to coast, from New York or New Jersey, all the way to um, California. So on her way, we get to see her (laughs) pictures and her journey, and all the different weather and all the different circumstances. So that's also very cool. So good luck, and we hope to see you in California soon. So today is Questions Friday, and. I have a question from Frances. She asked it the other day, and she said, Hi, Nadia, I have a question for Friday, if there is time. Is doubt the sneakiest of fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt? Doubt means uncertain, lacking in confidence. Fear, we are uncertain of our safety or concerned we will be judged. Worry, worry looks like expression of doubt. Control, if we doubt or question our confidence, are we more susceptible to being controlled by another, and can confident people be controlled by another? And guilt, we can be caused by our own ego or another person to doubt our intention, making us feel guilty. Thank you, Nadia. So here we go. It's a great question, isn't it? Because fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt have an entirely multifaceted fingers of the same hand. It's like truth, love, and purity. You can't have the other two without truth, right? Because if you're not telling the truth, then that means the love is compromised and obviously the purity is compromised. And if you do tell the truth, you are open to love and to purity. So is it doubt? That's the sneakiest? Fear? Fear seems completely justified. Worry seems completely justified. We understand control because there are a lot of people who try to control other people. And we all understand guilt because we know when we don't feel right about a decision we've made. So which is is the worst of the bunch? Well, I'll tell you. Fear is the gateway drug because fear will cause just like truth, if you don't tell the truth. If you don't fear, you have no reason to doubt, worry, control, or guilt anybody. And sometimes it works against us, because let's say somebody doesn't have fear on the wrong thing, like they don't fear hurting other people. Look how far they can go. They are the exception, but it can happen has happened throughout history, people who aren't mentally balanced, may not have fear of hurting other people, even though they are literally run by fear, fear of life. So when we want to talk about these things, fear is the sneakiest one because we can justify fear. Because fear is two-pronged. One is instinctive. Hey, I'm walking in a dark room, can't see where am I going? What am I going to step on, hit, or walk? So that's a natural. I don't even want to call it fear because it's not a fear. It's a reaction to your circumstance. But people say, well, what about fear if you don't have fear? And then we go into this whole dialogue about what fear is when we already know. However. The fear that we adopt, like I want to go to school. Oh, I don't think I'm that smart. I want to get that job. Well, I I can't get that position, so I'll just settle for this one. I like that person. I'll never tell them. They like me, they'll come to me. Oh, I don't agree with that person. Whatever it is. fear makes us take the lower road, and it always will, because fear is like ego's easiest tool. If ego can get you scared of something, are you going to do it? At most, you're going to put it off. You're going to take it and put it on the back burner, and your whole life may go by, and you may never do it. That's why when people said, I always wanted to do that. And I said, well, well, why didn't you? And then I even give them a way to do it. Sometimes that person is lucky enough that once I, I give them a way to do it, they can see themselves doing it. It's happened to me when people said, oh, all you have to do is start here. And I'm like, oh, is that it? Yes. Great. When we have fear, until we either meet that person or somehow come to a desire to do that, whatever it is, enough, we won't do it. Because what fear does is it says, all right, you're listening to me that I've already got you a little bit scared that you're going to look bad. Or you're going to fail. So now I'm going to make you doubt yourself for listening to me. So now you're doubting yourself. You're, you're going like, oh, you know, I was scared to do it, but I don't think I could do it anyway. What was I thinking? How could I have done that? What was I? That's for other people. That kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. So now you're doubting. And then once you buy into the doubt, You jump into the worry thing. Well, what would I be capable of doing? And how would I be capable of doing it? Oh, poor me. I can't do it because I stubbed my toe. Oh, no, I can't do it today because I just had so much to do. Oh, I can't do it tomorrow either. I am booked for the week. And by the end of the week, you forget about it. But the worry stays there. The doubt stays there. The fear is solidified. So now what happens? You were scared to do it. Now you doubt that you can do it. Now you're worried about creating reasons, justifying so that you can feel better. But instead, you start to control other people, other people who are doing what you want to do. Or if somebody else fails at what they're doing, you either are empathetic, if you are with yourself, and you'll say, Oh, don't worry, you can try again tomorrow because you would wish you would do that. Or you will put them down, which a lot of parents do to their children, and say, Well, you're never going to amount to anything. For anyone to say you are never going to amount to anything is because they themselves have not amounted to anything. People who cut up other people either want to be them, want the fruits of their emotional labor, the work that they have done on themselves, and they want to knock you down a notch because They're knocked down a notch. And unfortunately, when parents have that, because other people, no matter where they are, if you're in high school or in college or you're already a full-grown adult and you're responsible for your own life, we understand that this circumstance isn't forever. As soon as I get out of high school, I can change that. As soon as I get out of college, things are going to change. Once I get out, I can decide who is in my life and who isn't. But when they're children and you haven't worked out your stuff, what are they going to get? They're going to get who you are, and that child is going to get everything that started with fear. They're going to get your doubt. They're going to get your worry through your control of them. That's the simplest example I could give you. And so then what happens to the child? Now we're going into the guilt space. You don't want to do better than your parents. A part of you does, wants to show them that you can, but that doesn't come till later because we've internalized and we've taken their energy on So when we're not being true to their energy, what happens to us? We start to do things like doubt our intention, feel bad for doing good. Our ego adopts their pattern. And if we don't understand energies and giving people energies back, we own their energy. It's invited in. And we take on their characteristics. And that's why things like the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree is said. It's a very interesting, twisted way of looking at life, yet it's a completely normal one because we see it all the time. Not normal in a good way. It's normal in a way that we actually get it. Our understanding of fear is changing. The argument of what fear is, is just that it's going to be a place where you put yourself, you accept, and it will just not allow the next step to happen. So if you find yourself not doing the next thing, whatever it is, It's because you've adopted, you've accepted the fear of doing it, the doubt that you'll be successful, the worry that you can't do what you actually want to do, the control of others by making yourself feel a little bit powerful, a little bit successful in something like, well, look, my kids listen, excuse me, my kids listen to me, and then putting that guilt that blanket of guilt on their souls, because yours is covered with that same blanket. So it's something to think about and it's something to really try to get to when you feel that feeling like, oh, I can't do that. Talk back to that voice and say, why can't I do it? What is really in my way? Push your own buttons. Because if I were to walk up to you and say that, you would answer me. And some people, when I do say that, when I do say that, get really mad at me. and They want to fight me back. They're waiting. They're like standing at the gate waiting to fight back because they have to prove that what they invested in was worth their time, their investment a very tricky thing, very tricky, but not undoable or non doable. All we have to have is awareness of the fact that that is what we are doing. I have another question. And this one is from the chat. And it is from Lil Ferry, L-I-L Ferry. And she or he says, Hello, why do I feel so overwhelmed at work, even though I shield myself? I am an empath. Thanks. Well, if you're an empath and you're around picking up everybody, stop. And you feel like you're shielding yourself. A shield says that you have fear, that you are going to get those feelings. I, I know that sounds weird to say. It's, it's Sandhya, okay, and I'm a female. Great. So I get, you know, people say, oh, protect yourself from people. Oh, shield yourself. And I get that because people said that to me a lot. But really what you need to do is give them their energy back. And I'm going to tell you how to do that today. And please let me know how this works out for you because that's how I have learned to do it. As you adopt someone's energy, you obviously know that it's not yours because you did not walk into work with that energy. So as you start picking up these energies and you're like, oh, wow, that feels weird. Oh, I say, oh, wait, that's not my energy. You do not have permission to be inside of me. So you can leave. And literally talk to the energy. Just talk back to it. It's talking to you, but not with words, with feelings. So have your feelings respond to those feelings to tell them that, hey, you're not my feelings and I don't need to take someone else's feelings on. You're much more effective when you are proactive, when you come from a position of understanding that you can decide what comes in you and what doesn't. Because ego does it to me all day long. It tries to put a hole in this thought and put on this like testing, testing, one, two, three, all day long. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's you. Sometimes I don't get it right away. I'm like thinking, oh, wow, that's a way to do it. But there's always that tinge of, is it Really? So you're writing, today someone was angry and I picked up their feelings. It was overwhelming. Just say, hey, that anger isn't even mine. Why do I want to adopt that person's anger when I didn't, I, I don't understand it because I don't know how it got there. All I have is their end result. Push back. Talk back. Tell it to leave. It is not yours. So you will not know what to do with it, which is why it's overwhelming. I used to pick up people's stuff just off a Facebook post. Now I'm like, what the heck is that? Boom, it's gone. Sometimes I have a little fun with it and I'll just like, you know, answer it and see what happens if I have time or if I want to. But then after years of that, I decided that I didn't even want to participate. It didn't mean the person's good or bad. I just didn't want to play the game because it affected me. And I wanted to give them their energy back and enjoy my own energy. So you have to make a decision as an empath of what is yours and what isn't yours. You don't need to hide yourself in a bubble. You, she writes, can grounding help? You can face it head on. You see, for all of us, energy precedes words. It always will. Energy always will talk before. That's why people confuse issues when they start talking. You may pick up someone's anger, but they may be smiling at you going, hey, how's your day? And you're thinking, wait a minute, how could they talk like that? This isn't what I'm feeling. And it starts to confuse you. You don't have to go through any ritual to protect yourself. Your mind, your heart, your soul, your knowing yourself is your, if you want to use for lack of a better term, your protection, your shield, your awareness of the fact that this is going on allows you to give back people their energy and give them back their energy because you won't know what to do with it because you don't know how it got there. So now you're carrying somebody's life's worth of anger, fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt, but you don't know how to fix it, so that's where the overwhelming comes in. And it feels heavy and, and weird. And it's because it's not you. So it's foreign to you. So you have to just say, hey, this energy isn't mine. I don't give it permission to be inside of me. I now give this energy back to so and so or to whoever it is, if you don't know. And you have the power to do that. And it works. I do it all the time. Now I do it. I don't even think about it. I'm just like, well, where did that come from? And I just say, I don't want that. That's not mine. I don't need to take on somebody else's energy. I don't have time to take on somebody else's energy. I don't want to take on someone else's energy. Whatever words you need to use, that's how you should be talking to yourself. This is someone else's injured love, not mine. I wish that wasn't so sensitive and empathetic. But you know what? I'm that way, but I learned to talk back to that energy, and it empowered me. And you can do it because there's a path to do it. You have to believe, not take on the fear that you can't, and everybody's going to smash you to the ground with their feelings. It didn't smash them to the ground. They just gave it to you. And your job is to give it back. So give it back. It is hard to be that sensitive. I get you like no one can. It is hard to be that sensitive. But it's only because your brain is getting confused because it's taking on stuff that's not yours and it's hitting you and it just like immobilizes you. Because now you have your stuff and this person's stuff and that person's stuff and just start giving it back. Thanks, I will try that you advise. I will start giving back people's energies to them. Yay! Please let me know how that works. It's so empowering. It's just so cool when you know that you don't have to do that or accept it. And you don't. You don't. So good luck. I have another question from Christopher Sedray. And he says, question. Nadia, Christen Origins of Truth said, there were no temptations of me while on earth, for I was of angel and no needs as people on earth needed. Angels are sexless as opposed to humans. Well, they're, they're genderless. Yeah, I guess same. However, when we go back home, our souls carry all all of its contents or memory of life on Earth. Since I am very much human, how can I look forward on Earth to being sexless at home or even to a life free of fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt? What do you think? Well, we're all human, (laughs) so we're all dealing with those very things, but don't worry about being at home. So you get there, think about that. Christ had a different job. Christ was an angel of love, and he never married, he never had children, and he looked at things in a way of solving them with grace, with truth, with love, with purity. but when we go back home and Our souls carry all of our contents or memory. Let's deal with that when we get back home. Everyone's trying to figure out what we do after we die and what we see and and proof. But honestly, after seeing Christ and hearing him day in and day out now for, I want to say, you know, good straight. I was hearing him before I saw him, if you, if I go back to the things I used to write, because he was there. So now I know he's there with your life, because he was there with mine. The fact that I saw him validated that feeling that I would get once in a while to now all the time. So that part of it, that part of it for you is to just You are human. And you can look forward to just being on earth because that's where you are. Instead of to be sexless at home or to live free of fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt, which no one can here. We learn to navigate it. We learn to grow through it. But even as much as Christ has talked to me, as much as I've grown, just like I said earlier, its still try. It's why we are here. It's why those energies are available to us. Because it is our job not to damn ourselves for listening to fear, doubt, worry, control or guilt, but to learn to love ourselves enough to identify them and live the best life we can because that's what we're here to do. We're here to get to that pure love that we originally are. So there were no temptations for Christ to steal, to create a family, to hurt people. Any of those things, because that's not what he came here to do. Which is why his teachings have lived the test of time, because everything from home is eternal, and we needed that energy to balance all the other things that are going on in life. So, if you want to look forward to going home, that's like saying... All right, I want to fast forward this life. I don't want to live it because I don't like my options. So I'll just reject my options and hold my breath until I die. But now it's like evading life. The best life is to live life. Face it. Do it. Let that energy challenge you. Fight it. Tell it that, hey, I got you. I can see you coming. We all have that ability. We all can do it. We, just even as listeners on the show, from all the feedback that I get, I know it's working, especially to the people who really get that it can. Because once they get that it can work, what happens? It works. Just like what it's it's as powerful as saying, I can never do that. And then your brain's like, hey, great, I'll make sure they never do that really well. (laughs) That's what happens. That's what happens. And when you say, I can do that really well. You do do it really well. In the past year, I haven't talked very much about my private life, or even the past two years. There's things that I just don't talk about anymore because I just didn't feel like it. I enjoyed the the I want to say the fruits of my experiences, and the old stories that I tell over and over again, because that's when it was hardest for me to see fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt coming at me or picking up other people's life's worth in fear, doubt, worry, control, and guilt by feeling them or not wanting to hurt people's feelings, or wanting to be a people pleaser. But the last two years of my life, which I am just beginning to write about, it took me, I had to like take it in, I didn't even know how to be that person. I am just now starting to write about it. So it took two years, even after, you know, hard things, and then great things happened, I did not know how to believe that I was going to be okay, even though I always knew I was okay, but physically. So we all have our um, things to learn and grow through. And that's the fun part of life. So don't wait till you die. Do it now. I hope that answered everyone's questions. I know, Francis, you said thank you. I hope that did. If you have any more questions, let me know. i got 10 seconds to the weekend. You guys, enjoy your weekend. I will see you Monday morning. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.